You're listening to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of the Legends of Runeterra. This episode is brought to you by listeners like you. To become a supporter of the show, visit patreon.com slash legendscast. Let's do this. Hello and welcome to Legends Cast, a podcast about the legends of Runeterra. My name is Marco the Lift from outside of Pittsburgh, PA, and with me tonight is my legendary and ever faithful co-host, Dead Broke Nerd. DBN, welcome officially to season three of Legends Cast, my friend. Yes, season three. Many ahoys to all of our listeners. It is, uh, well, I don't know if it feels any different, but it will be different by the end. Uh, by the end of this episode, in fact, it will it will be different, clearly. Although this is like one of the few episodes that doesn't have card reveals that may have actually been a little bit like this. Except for the fact that there's there's only two of us. And you've been listening recently. There has been three of us. Although it was two of us for like two years. Yes, yes. We're, we're, we're uh, finally diving into what we originally planned to kind of get going couple months ago and then with all the new set stuff we we got away from it because we're all excited about that stuff but now we are going into our weekly rotation where just as a refresher on the first week of the month we have all three of us and then for the next three weeks we rotate through so we'll have mark and i next week it'll be myself and gibbles and bits and then the last week i'll have a week off and it'll be uh mark and gibby and uh and then we'll start all new for the next month yeah, and we have all new segments coming your way for Season 3, including a recurring weekly segment called Two Champs in a Hat, which we're going to get into today. Uh, but me and DBN, basically, we, we randomly draw two champions each week, and uh, and then we have to create a deck and talk about it the following week. Uh, and so uh, DBN and I have uh, a Two Champs in a Hat decks that we're going to be talking about, and then each of us are kind of bringing our own wide assortment of you know returning and new segments which is Mm -hmm. which is something i'm really excited for so you know that each one of the hosts has segments that are their own and they choose one to add into the show each week uh and so you know if you have me for a week you're gonna get you know one of a handful of segments same with dbn and gibby which is really exciting stuff oh yeah and and we're gonna have (laughs) We're going to have a lot of stuff is, is all, all I'm going to say. We're, we're experimenting with a lot of new things uh, we are trying out. We actually have several segment ideas that you guys have never heard before uh, that we want to be experimenting with. And, and really, we want to be dedicating more time to the the kind of more, I guess, I don't want to say casual because I, I don't really feel that way, but, but the less... Uh, fo- less focus on the true meta and competitive analysis and more on what makes Runeterra fun uh, for us, which is experimentation, the mechanics behind it, the lore, the flavor, all that good stuff. So so we're real excited for season three, yeah. Yeah, this is your break from the meta slave uh, mentality that often accompanies card games and has certainly accompanied a game like Runeterra that is so free-to-play friendly that has given you access to so many cards uh, very, very quickly. And so we're really excited for that. And in addition to that, not only do we break away from the uh, your break from the, the meta slavery that goes on in card games, uh, you can actually participate 
in tournaments or the really seasonal, like, uh, what do we call them? Leagues, uh, that we do through our discord server as well. We just ended one and the winner of that one will be on the show relatively soon. Um, I'll probably be recording a segment with him. Uh, spoiler alert, nerf Lulu won uh, again. So nerf Lulu was, uh, and you might be like, well, uh, you know, who's nerf Lulu because it, his name was literally different. He changed his name and rebranded right after he won a uh, season just a couple of seasons ago so he Let's and see Hemmicks, if he does it again here after he wins this season he'll rebrand again maybe. maybe we just yeah that way it seems like we have someone else who wins each time right, but it's right. really just him winning i guess again. we we didn't have to to say anything we could have just made it That's seem true. like someone different one <laughs> somebody new one yeah well congratulations to all of our folks and uh you know that's awesome spitfire also uh, was our competitor who won the random drawing for a piece of Legends Cast merch because he finished all of his rounds of the tournament. Although he didn't win, we put everyone in a drawing. If you actually show up and finish all of your games, um, you get put in a drawing to win something, and that's going to be going out to Spitfire. So congratulations to him. Uh, that's really awesome, and we're glad you had a chance to. We're glad to have a chance to send send out something to you. So make sure you shoot me. You know, name and uh, address in a Discord DM so I can get some stuff out to you. But we have some exciting news because never so quickly have we made an announcement about the league right after we finish a league. But, DBN, mm -hmm. you got some news for us this time. You are correct, sir. Uh, I, I'm very pleased that we actually, thanks to the awesome efforts of our league admins, um, especially the pain, but also with help from... Uh, Jeff, as always, uh, we have gotten our next league pretty much set up. So last season, I, I, I want to say that I think this last season was, at least for me, the biggest success so far. And I think that that has a lot to do with how many people came to me and said, this format is so fun and it gets me playing the game when otherwise I wouldn't, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's that's a lot of the reason why sometimes I struggle is when I don't have a reason to come in and try the game because I'm I know exactly what I'm going to play on ladder every time and it doesn't get me, you know, in that in that kind of creative headspace. So we're doing another really fun, interesting format that I hope you guys will really like. Um, this is going to be for uh, for our was it this is season five, right? This is, yeah, uh, this is our, going our fifth five. league, and it's going to be an evens or odds uh, event. So basically, and we'll have all of this information in a document within our Discord, so you can go and check that out, read up on the rules and the format and everything like that. Um, but I'm just going to quickly give you the overview, which is uh, we're going to be using uh, the in-client best-of-three friend challenge feature. Now, there is going to be, of course, so that, that's going to have you'll, you'll bring three decks, you'll ban one, and then you'll play. And so the first one to win with both decks... Um, that they uh, that they put together, um, they'll they'll win the game. <laughs> so okay, yeah. Uh, so the the match, so the in client, we're using an yes. in client feature, so it's a mm -hmm. lot easier. You don't have to remember nearly as many rules, right? Right. It's going to be significantly easier, but there is a rule that you will have to remember and you'll have to use as you play, which is eligible decks must only be composed of either entirely odd cards or entirely even cards you'll have to have and you don't have to have your whole lineup be one or the other okay so you can have one odd deck and two even decks or whatever but each deck individually um has to have different um 
you know, odds or evens. And of course, you can't double queue uh, the same um, region combination. So, um, yeah, so that that's pretty much it. Very, very fun. Um, I'm super amped up. Of course, I'm sure you guys will have questions. If you do, head on over into our League General uh, page on the Discord and feel free to ping myself, uh, the pain, or Jeth, or Gibbles and Bits, or Mark. Uh, probably yeah, in when that order. Is sign-ups, when does sign-ups <laughs> start? Do we have a declared time for sign-ups? Yeah, sign up, sign-ups are starting literally as soon as you are listening to this episode. Once the episode is uh, is out, the sign-ups will begin. You guys will have two weeks to finish signing up. Uh, and what we're... Oh, this is another big thing here. We actually are... I can't believe I forgot this. We actually are moving away from a... Um, like a Swiss style that then cuts to a bracket. And instead, we're going to have one big double elimination bracket. Each game, uh, each match will be played still one match a week. And then we'll kind of pull the new bracket up and update it. We do want this to be something that it goes over time, right? So we don't want people going and playing seven games in a day because that's not fair to the people that want to come in and they only have time to give one match a week, okay? So we're really gonna be enforcing that, that you're not going to be allowed to be playing games ahead of the rest of the bracket. But with a double elimination bracket, it should be able to solve that issue of some people lose their first game or two and then they know they can't get into the final cut so they start you know, quitting and then the people that were gonna play them end up not getting to play a game. So this will solve all of those problems while also giving some incentive where everybody can see where they're standing and who they're playing up against and it should provide a little more excitement. Everybody likes to see a bracket, at least in my opinion. So um, the prizes will go once again to first through fourth place. Um, you can check all that information out in the, uh, in the Discord. But uh, first place is 50 bucks. Uh, a piece of Legends Cast swag, probably a T-shirt, uh, and a interview on the podcast. And then second place will get thirty. Third place gets twenty bucks. And fourth place, hey, ten bucks will still get you a nice board or yeah. some emotes or season season pass, like season a- pass. So fourth place, ten bucks. Why not? It's it's free to enter. So, uh, and of course, if you complete uh, all of your games, actually, we we have this participation thing. I think I'm just gonna say that we're still gonna do that. So if you uh, even if you lose the first two games and you only had two games to play, as long as you didn't forfeit around, uh, you'll be entered to win a raffle. Because hey, raffles are fun. Yeah, raffles are fun. Yeah, we'll we'll try that out for one round of this. I'm excited about double elimination, and I was even like starting to scroll through the champions to see. There's a lot of limitations that get put on that. You know, Senna and Vigar four and five can't play them together. Pike and Rexai, you know, three four can't play them together. Uh, there's a lot of limitations. Uh, mm-hmm. that go out once you enter into only evens or odds. And I'm really excited to kind of see what people come up with and what is best. I remember when there was like even an odd decks in Hearthstone, one of my absolute favorite seasons of playing because I think I played like an evens Highlander mage, quest mage, that was just so much fun because it was so wacky, but it was so resilient because it had every option in the book inside the deck in a one of. Uh, and if you drew the right ones, you could win with this what should have been a terrible deck. This probably won't be exactly like that, but it's certainly going to give some opportunities where you're going to go through and see, well, this particular synergy, although most of the cards in it are even, the one key card that goes into the synergy is an odd, and it's going to break up a lot of, you know, typical stereotypical synergies that are built into the game. You know, it's going to be really great. You want to play Spiders with Elise, 
Wow, that's great. Uh, but it, it's going to be really hard to play when you can't play Frenzied Skitterer on three uh, because Frenzied Skitterer is so key to that deck. I think that's really exciting and super fun. So can't wait for it. Make sure you guys get signed up in the Discord ASAP. And if you need a link to the Discord, there is uh, a link to join our Discord server right in the description of this episode. You can grab that link. Come on over and join us in our online Legends Cast family and, uh, and join in on the league. Uh, once you get in there, you can even ask, hey, where do I sign up for the league? There'll be someone to help you right away straight from general chat to give you the right place to go and get you signed up and uh, and taken care of. Um, DBM, what do you think? You, you ready to talk about what we played this week in the Two Champs in a Hat segment? I most certainly am. I know you're excited about your deck, but uh, I'm low-key pretty happy with where I ended mine. Awesome. Okay, let's jump in. Ah, the sweet smell of science. <laughs> Okay, guys, this week in Two Champions of the Hat, me and DBN had to create a deck that ran three copies of Ziggs, while well, Ziggs and Elise, we didn't set like real strong parameters around three and three of each, but I assumed it was three and three of each, so that's what I yes. did. Okay, yeah, three and three of each. So every week, guys, in Two Champions in a Hat, we draw two champions out of a hat the week before, and the co-hosts or the host of the co-host for the following week have to use those two champions in the segment for the next week. So we drew on uh, episode zero of season three at the end and got Ziggs Elise, which you can imagine don't go together real great. So DBN, I want you to go first. Tell me what your strat was and your thought behind it, and then I'll go into the decks that I made. Well, I happen to know that you made an aggro deck. I made um, two decks, actually. Oh, you made two decks. Well, that, that's awesome. I ended up making two. Well, I think that, I think to be fair, I think you should start with one of your decks. I'll do my second deck, and then you finish with the third. Oh, okay, that's fine. So mm -hmm. I'll talk about my aggro deck. So I went in, and I was like, I want to play as true to this as I can. So how can I make both champions work, right? Ziggs revolves around landmarks. Elise revolves around spiders. And uh, I could play either Bandle City, which is kind of the nice of having a dual region champ. We had the ability to, to stretch into three regions. So you could go Bandle City with Shadow Isles, or you could go Sharima with Shadow Isles. And I was like, you know what? Hasn't been nerfed yet. That's about to get nerfed. Merciless Hunter, Rune Runner, and Shape Stone. And do you know what those three <laughs> cards are great together on? Anything aggressive. So I went with a Spider's Aggro deck but played some interesting cards in it. I went with Bomber Twins because it creates random landmarks in hand, Preservarium to put cards in my hand, Rockhopper to create the, the landmarks that would then be destroyed, and then I went Twisted Treeline, which is a three-mana Shadow Isles landmark that once I've seen three fearsome allies attack, destroy me and summon Vile Maw, which, of course, if it's destroyed, then also you know can level up your Ziggs and I thought, you know what? Ziggs kind of plays actually okay as an aggressive champion as a three-mana 3-4 three, that always does a damage to the enemy's nexus whenever you attack. Like, Elise into Ziggs is actually not that bad. Um, I ended up with, uh, you know, Rune Runners in five and Brood Awakening at six, meaning I did not have a single four drop. It went from Ziggs into Rune Runner, Brood Awakening. That was it. Everything else is, like, really cheap, one mana, two mana, you know, spider synergy, landmark synergy. And I'm going to tell you the truth. This deck was actually significantly better than I thought it was going to be. Um, I don't know that I leveled up Ziggs more than one time because it's so hard to destroy four landmarks when your deck isn't specifically built to work on constantly destroying landmarks. But if I got uh, like two rock hoppers 
then there was like a decent chance that I could get a Ziggs leveled up. Um, the Twisted Tree lines, when they do go off, are really strong. Um, the biggest problem that I had was if my opponent could sort of clear my board or pick off my stuff early, then I would just have Twisted Tree lines on the board doing nothing because they removed my early Elise, my Arachnid Horrors, you know, my Frenzied Skitterer. And the interesting thing is, is Merciless Hunter actually works with Twisted Tree Line as well because it's also a fearsome unit. If I was going to go back and tweak this a little bit, and of course, if you level up Elise, all your spiders get fearsome and it, it triggers your Twisted Tree Lines pretty well and then gives all of your 6-6 six, six spiders, uh, you know, a challenger too, which, which is really strong. Um, it's definitely like a go wide board. It was kind of like, I'm going to throw out a ton of stuff on the board and once you can clear it, I'm probably ready to go with like Brood Awakening and getting some Twisted Tree Lines popped or you know, finishing you off with a Rune Runner and, and Shapestone. The deck got significantly worse as soon as those three cards, Merciless Hunter, Rune Runner, and Shapestone got nerfed. <laughs> um, it was like I played it for the first handful of, like the first handful of days before the nerf went out. And it was like, this isn't bad. Um, this is actually kind of fun. And uh, and it was working better than I than I thought. You know, Bomber Twins and Rockhopper are, you know, they're two mana, three attack minions. It's really not terrible. Um, and so, yeah, fun deck, fun deck. And, uh, I really enjoyed sort of checking it out. Worked a little better than I expected it to, but it was heavier on the Elise synergy than it was the Ziggs synergy, just because Ziggs is so hard to play aggressively and actually level up. Um, because, you know, anti-aggression is landmarks. And I was trying to play an aggressive deck that also ran landmarks, which was just absolutely hard to do but it's so much fun that i got twisted tree line in a deck i'm so happy that i got to play this card that's just been you know binder fodder since the day i created it and got it oh yeah i can i can uh i can see that for sure so dbn sure. what was the deck that you ended up going with i'm, I'm curious yeah so okay same same tack here I, I went aggressive and i think that's easy to do elise is a traditionally aggressive champion right and ziggs as you've mentioned is not a bad uh, attacking uh three drop and i was thinking about I, I i i saw the fearsome synergy with twisted tree line and i said that's that's pretty cool um but i didn't want to make a spiders deck i was like we've done spiders and more than that i felt like spiders was basically i felt like i would be building elise with like i'd be building spiders with Ziggs just in there because I was forced to put Ziggs in there. And I really wanted mm -hmm. there to be a reason to play each of these. Um, and I think I landed kind of close. I, there's an argument to be made that each of these champions could be replaced with something else to maybe make it better. But I think there's also an argument that like maybe they're in the right spot after all. So um, my deck is, uh, I call it Bandles and Arms. Because why? Well... Uh, it runs Yordles and Arms as the key central component. Now, if you're not familiar with Yordles and Arms... I have no idea what that is. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I was clicking around, looking through all of the options when I discovered this card, which I feel like I haven't seen anyone else play, maybe for a good reason. Uh, it's five mana slow speed. It says, give allies plus two, plus two this round. But if you've summoned or cast cards from four plus regions... Give allies plus four, plus four instead. Okay, okay. So for five mana, uh, you can give everything plus four, plus four, assuming you've played cards from four plus regions. Well, if I go Shadow Isles, Bandle City, 
That is not hard to do, especially because Elise will count for SI, <clears throat> excuse me, Elise will count for SI, and Ziggs will count for Bilge, or excuse me, for Sharima and Bandle City, right? And so I'm treating each of these units uh, as a level one only. I'm not trying to level either one of them, but I am playing them because they are resilient in keeping a wide board state. Elise is going to summon a spider and has fearsome, so she protects herself. Ziggs. Ziggs has a four defense on a three mana unit. When Ziggs attacks, he's basically a three mana four four. Very hard to get rid of in just a single trade. And if they do prioritize clearing Ziggs because they see, oh, it's a champion, I must clear, right? I don't care. I, I never cared about keeping Ziggs. I care about dropping Ziggs for the double um, uh, region, right? It's just like you've been seeing with these like Tristana decks. Uh, but taking a different approach because uh, I am dumping a couple, like just a few Shadow Isles cards that's going to help me really get super wide and still interact with the boards and present other ways to win. So I have three Elise, two Blighted Caretakers to be able to kill an ally to summon two Saplings. There's a lot of people, a lot of cards in this uh, deck that you drop that have an important effect. Like for instance, the Loping Telescope where you mm, generate mm. another multi-region follower, but it itself kind of sucks. You don't really need the Loping Telescope on the board after you drop it, get the Targon uh, uh, region for the region count, and then get another thing to replace itself in hand. It can block, and that's nice, and you you always feel free to block, but then Blighted Caretaker can come down and turn that 2-1 into two two ones with Challenger. And then I also have the Neverglade Collector, Again, this deck is just all about going as wide as possible, as fast as possible. And it was, I actually was able to win. Uh, I played a couple friendlies against Gibby the other day. I was able to win with this deck uh, on turn five with five units on the board playing a Yordles in Arms for everything getting plus four, plus four. Um, yeah, I mean, that would do it. Plus four, plus four is insane on an early game wide board. And. I mean, Bandle City can do that in spades. Oh, like it, it, the consistency of which you can just dump units on the board. And so I'm running, you know, Protoporos and uh, Inventive Chemists, Bandle Commandos, Elise, Loping Telescope, Bandle City Mayor. I mean, Gruff Grenadier. All these cards generate more cards to dump onto the board. Um, now, of course, you could argue that uh, maybe Tristan is better than Ziggs in here. Probably. You could even maybe argue that you could go... <laughs> Uh, Timo instead of Elise in here, maybe. I do. I found that I really liked when I found, had Elise on two because obviously Elise on two is fearsome, almost never dies, summons spiders, draws a lot of attention. And I think that's the key here, right? No one creature, no one unit in this deck is more important than any other unit. They're all expendable, which means you don't care how you trade. You just want to make sure that you have things like group shot in hand to make sure that when you do trade and they do block it when you go all in on an attack, you can finish up those trades that they were trying to get value off of. So uh, I actually really, really liked this uh, premise. And I think there's a lot of power that people aren't exploring in Yordles and Arms. So maybe you guys can go out check out that card and really try to iron out a great Yordles and Arms deck because this felt, I mean, it's it's a stronger and easier to play uh, for Demacia. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Or even like the overwhelm one from Frail Yard, right? That gives everything plus two, plus two in overwhelm, which yep, packs tactics mana. or something. Seven yeah. mana. Yeah, even more expensive. Uh, I, I love it. Well, the other card that I, the other direction I went was, uh, honestly, I went this direction not even because I thought it was creative. It's just because I hadn't done it yet. Uh, I had not played around a lot with Bandle City, and I had not played the Bandle Tree. So I created an Elise Ziggs Bandle Tree deck, which probably isn't the most ideal way to play it, but I had not experimented with things like Bandle Commando, Looping Telescope, um, Bandle City Mare, and I thought, you know what? Sometimes what this deck needs is just the ability to go a little bit later. So I was like, what if instead of just mini morphs, I splashed Vengeance and Withering Whale or Grasp of the Undying? So I experimented around a little bit, or even like the box, right, with a couple of different Shadow Isles control tools in order to prolong the game and then dig into my deck uh, with Draw in order to find the Bandle Tree and the various pieces that I needed. Probably this deck is not the best and most ideal version, but I was surprised at how fun it was to actually play Bandle Tree. Uh, I didn't expect it to be particularly engaging at all, um, but the puzzle of finding the right pieces, of using the telescopes to grab the right pieces, um, of, you, uh, of you know discovering stuff with Bandle City Mare, I guess it's manifesting stuff with Bandle City Mare, uh, all of that stuff ended up being more engaging than I thought. Poro Sled was fun and oftentimes ticked two pieces of my Bandle Tree off and then dropping Bandle Tree towards the end for the guaranteed win. What I found interesting about this deck was so often you had such a wide board, right? Like it was just so often your entire board, every slot was full with cannon fodder and the Bandle Commando um, into the Bandle City Mare to make those, you know, just zero mana one two spell shield blockers um was just sort of insane I, I just didn't realize how many little guys this deck was capable of spitting out um now you can say there's not a single landmark in this deck other than the bandle tree there's not a single spider in this deck other than elise this is really a bandle tree deck that i just slotted zigs and yeah. elise into um so it doesn't really fit like, my other deck really fit the spirit of two champs in a hat. Um, this one doesn't, but I thought I would just give it a try because I was curious if it was good. And it's probably as good and random as any other Bandle Tree deck, I, I would guess. There might be some more efficient versions that run, like, multiple, like, more than two champs, like a bunch of different champs to be able to grab, you know, other regions a little bit easier. Um, but it was fun. It was fun. And I know that you have been playing some Bandle, some Bandle Tree a little bit, DBN. So, you, yeah. I mean, you have the experience, and now I do. Yeah, Bandle, Bandle Tree, I think, is actually a very legitimate laddering deck. Uh, I feel like it can beat anything. It It is very, I feel it very skillful to play. Got a little bit of RNG in there as you're trying to hunt for the, the ninth and 10th um units but it can it can slow down aggro even though it doesn't have healing usually it can slow aggro down it has many morphs aka the strongest card in the set um, oh yeah <laughs> uh, it has many morphs so you, of course you can shrink things down like scions and, and really just any problem unit you can turn off before they become that big problem ezreal's or whatever well probably not as well depending I, I I did it to an Ezreal once, and you needed it sometimes. Yeah, I have I have too. It, it's uh, 
Yeah, uh, my problem with that is I, the last time I did that, they just played their other copy, and I was like, oh. <laughs> uh, not fun. Uh, but yeah, yeah, a, a Twisted Fate before he levels, stuff like that. Um, Mini Morphs provides you that accessibility. So I, I actually do think, I know we just said we weren't going to go too crazy into meta, but I, I think Bandletree is one of the like more fun but also viable um, decks right now. So I've been playing it a lot. Nice. Very nice. Well, uh, why don't we move on to champs and hat guys at the end of this episode, the last thing we're going to do is announce the two champions for next week that DBN and Gibbles are going to have to put decks together for, and I'm sure they're already sort of brainstorming some ideas, but uh, DBN, we have a new segment that you're going to be putting together. Uh, so why don't we jump over to that? Huh? Didn't see that coming. Absolutely. So right now we're going to do something that is uh, one of my favorite things to do, even outside of the podcast. I just I like lists and I like ranking things. So what we're going to do is uh, kind of a couple weeks out of Bandle City or the Bandlewood expansion. We're looking at our top four favorite cards from the Bandlewood expansion. And uh, we're going to break that up by picking one common, one rare, one epic and one champion. Uh, each. So let's just jump right in. Mark, uh, what is your favorite? Now, this not most powerful, but it can be. What's your favorite common? You know, I was scrolling through because I found out that DBN wanted to do this segment today. And I was scrolling through and it's it's actually interesting because there's not a tremendous number of cards uh, that have actually been released in the Bandle City expansion yet because we're you know we're only in the first segment of it. And I, I was looking through, and there's a couple that I think that, like, I haven't gotten to play yet, but if I had a chance to play them, I would probably love them. Like, I think I would probably love Fallen Rider. Uh, I think that that card is is probably great. Um, I think that if I had the chance to play a little bit more, Hidden Pathways might be one of my favorite cards of the set because it's it was really strong in that Bandle City deck that I, I did play. But for me, I'm going to have to go with something that's boring but was a surprise, and that was Pokey Stick. Um, the two-mana <laughs> fast spell, deal one to anything, draw one, uh, mostly because in the reveal season, they should have led with this card. It should have been one of the first cards that they revealed, um, because, and then they never revealed it. We didn't even know it was part of the game until suddenly the, the expansion was released, and it's like, oh, by the way, we forgot to tell you about what is arguably the one of the most, if not most versatile and powerful spells that we put in the Bandle, in the Bandle City set, um, uh, beyond the Bandlewood expansion. Uh, really, actually, uh, like Pokey Stick a lot. I think it's a, it's just such a good cantrippy, strong card. It's not the most interesting card in the world. However, the artwork and the fun of it is like. It's not, you know, you, it's not like you're getting hit by a baseball bat. You literally have a yurtle with a stick that's going to poke you in the eye with it. And I just think it's so funny. Yeah. Um, pokey stick is, you know, one of the things that's clear about the team at Riot is that they're not taking themselves overly seriously. If you can go from the fallen rider in two mana and like dark and foreboding evil and then pokey stick is, you know, also in the two mana spot in the same set. Uh, thought it was fun. So for me, I'm going Pokey Stick is my favorite right now common card. Uh, that's a good one. I, I looked at that one too. Uh, I do have a an honorable mention here. 
and and I think it's going to be my only honorable mention, um, which is stress defense. Um, mm-hmm. That is the three mana burst set something to a one six stat line. I haven't actually gotten to play with it yet, but I I still really love the card conceptually. I've been very interested when people played it against me, and I'm really it's on my short list to build a deck with Noxus using that alongside Culling Strike and and things like that to really punish the you know low attack units and stuff like that. But but my actual choice. Uh, is again actually it's not a a uh, super flashy card but it's one that i was surprised with how effective it, it's been and how much i enjoy playing it and it's group shot i just mentioned it a second ago in that deck but i've been because i've been playing bandled uh bandle tree and i've also been playing other go wide strategies with uh with uh bandle city Group shot being a one mana fast spell that says deal one to an enemy, but if you have four plus allies, deal two instead. It has become this card that I'm relying on in these amazingly clutch situations, and I start building and playing around, huh, do I think I'll need to get the two damage off the group shot for next turn, or would it be better to spend this mana on a mini morph and I only have three units going into uh, the next turn or three units to respond. So the group shot becomes only a one. It really makes you think about it. But a one mana deal two to an enemy is so effective and so efficient when when you have that, that condition met. So it really has forced me and, and challenged me to really think ahead and think about that that board state and how do I want to invest my mana in my units and if i have to say anything about the bandle city expansion overall i have been surprised pleasantly with how much bc actually does care about the board and that's something mm-hmm. that i have been harping on for forever i want to play more decks that care about the board state and a card like group shot does that in spades and more than that it provides a little bit of that that mini game challenge where okay i i i'm managing one step deeper on each of my turns because i've got all these other cards with conditions am i meeting my you know have i hit four plus uh followers or, or units from different regions but that that's one of them and sometimes i have a card with that in the same deck as the card with group shot that wants four units on the field currently when it checks uh so it's just it's a it's a really uh really cool card group shots my my favorite card in the common slot very nice you want me to go ahead and give you my rare yes sir please do my rare is actually probably also won't be a huge surprise uh i actually looked through the rares and thought there's a decent amount of of fodder in the rare selection for this particular set there's a lot of cards that are not good there's only a few that like really really sort of shine that are are really strong um but i'm gonna go with looping telescope as my favorite rare um i did not expect it to be i wasn't super impressed with it but the sheer versatility of this card when you're choosing stuff and the fact that it's a two mana two one that basically throws down a blocker ticks towards your bandle tree or towards your group shot or, or towards whatever you know trying to get multiple regions in it creates a card in hand, which is also ticking your draw card from Bandle City. Um, and then, you know, the fact that you're getting really interesting options um, because you can get that three or less cost Celestial. And there's a couple that are very, very strong, right? Even the Doggo just draw a card. 
you're getting a random epic and you don't know what that's going to be. That's the biggest wild card, right? Yeah. You know, maybe maybe you're going to get a Captain Farron, right, off of this thing. And that's what you're going to, you know, build or to close out the game. Or, or maybe you're going to get trash and ignore that. And then the multi-region follower as well, where you could you could pick up something like, on one of them, I picked up a shark trainer. And I uh, use shark trainer towards the end of the game, which is another card that was, like, close. I've never actually put it in my deck, but I played it and loved it so much. It was a close to getting put on my short list of my favorite rares because there's so few of rares that I've really messed around with very much. Um, there are a few honorable mentions for me, but I don't want to mention them because I, I think that I think the one I would mention might be one of TBN's favorite. I will say this. This one won't be your favorite. The Stilted Robe Maker is one of my honorable mentions um, because I did play around with Vigar a little bit and tried to mix him with other things, uh, with Lux, for example. And Stilted Robe Maker is absolutely so strong mm -hmm. uh when you're playing with darkness it's just like a must-have it's so yeah. good um what's your rare what, what was your favorite one so far there's actually a lot in there loping telescope is a great one for sure uh gruff grenadier as predicted it's been an exceptionally good card uh for vandal city and i love anything that can allow me to get two units for the single action um, not even necessarily for the mana, but for the single action is huge. And, and we're actually going to talk a little bit about action economy a little bit later. But um, mine is going to be the Tenor of Terror. That was the one I didn't want to mention because of that. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> the Tenor of Terror is so cool and so fun. And I don't think I've laughed at a card this much since Dreg Dredgers. And it's important. Because the card can have a, the funniest line in the game, but if nobody plays it, you'll never hear it. And the good news is Tenor of Terror sees, uh, sees play. It hits the board. Now, it doesn't always get main decked, but as Mark mentioned, there are plenty of cards that can generate multi-region followers between the Mayor the, and the Loping Telescope. I mean, you've got ways to see Tenor of Terror frequently, even if you don't have room to make it uh a, a part of your deck but because it's uh shadow isles and bc bandletree often runs a couple copies of these uh as the shadow isles uh hit for the mm. for the tree and you know what the card is actually great it's another one of those cards that when summoned assuming you hit the condition which is pretty easy to hit by turn four uh assuming you hit the condition boom you get two units for the price and cost of one unit and more than that they each have impact. I have to be honest here. I vastly underestimated the usefulness of impact in a faction like Bandle City that doesn't have overwhelm and doesn't have a lot of stat buffs. Because if you are trading card for card with Bandle City, but your things have impact, you are threatening them so much more uh, than otherwise. And, and the Tenor of Terror giving you a double impact basically says, hey, not only do I have two blockers, but if I'm the one forced to be the aggressor, both of these things will still serve that purpose of even if they don't connect to the face, they will still get a little bit of chip damage in. And so Tenor of Terror, and of course, if you haven't yet, play that card, listen to those voice lines. They are so funny. I'm not even going to spoil it for you. Uh, Tenor of Terror is my favorite rare. But now we're moving on to Epics, and that's a much smaller pool. It's a, it's a small pool. It's only uh, 10 cards. So uh, which one's your favorite of these 10? 
Well, it's it's twenty cards uh, actually. Is it, oh no, you're you're right. You're right. It's you don't have show on Yeah, twenty cards. It, it, but it is a smaller pool. Um, and uh, you know what? There's actually a lot in here that I've really enjoyed, and I went back and forth. Um, you know, obviously the Bandle trees in here. That's a really interesting card. Got the catalog of regrets in here. Really interesting card. Poro sled way better than I expected it to be. Um, in the Bandle City deck, at least. But the one I'm going to go with actually goes back to a deck I played right off the bat, which was that Vigar Lux or Senna Lux deck. And that was a, a single or two copies of Des and Ada. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to highlight Des and Ada. I don't think they're particularly strong, but when you can, when you're up against an opponent towards the late game and they have a wide board and you can drop this on eight, even with nothing else. Um, you're you're pretty much so gonna be sure to you know deal two damage to the board and two damage to all a thing you know the entire board is is gonna get hit, um, which I believe your next darkness is round costs zero and deals two to all enemies, is is so strong because I think it actually deals four to the target and then two to everything else because the darkness steel does the two to the enemy and then it also gets the effect of dealing two to all enemies. Um, I'm like 90% sure that's that's how that works. Um, it hap that's how it happened with me, unless I had something improved on the board. Um, but it's it's actually pretty good. And when you get in a pinch, you can drop this, get your darkness in hand, and then clear the board. It's not a three of in a deck for sure. But the times that I've played it, I've really thoroughly enjoyed this card. Des and Ada was sort of a surprise for me. I thought it was going to be a garbage eight drop. Um, you know, just another epic yeah. that's really high costing, but. No, and nothing like some of the other eight cost or you know higher cards six seven eight cost epics that are garbage this actually even if it dies right away you're still getting to drop that darkness it's probably clearing your opponent's board and if you have senna on board it's going to be at fast speed which is so strong when this comes off at fast speed so destinate is my pick what's your epic there dbn there's good choices I, I have a guess at what yours might be uh well take a guess what is it I, I suspect it's the mayor because the mayor is so so good, but I don't know. Uh, mayor is definitely very very good, but not my favorite. My favorite okay. has to be the lost soul. Lost soul uh, is the eight mana five four Noxus uh, follower. It says when I'm summoned or discarded, create a twin blade revenant in hand. So the twin blade revenant is that four mana four three with challenger. But the cool thing is, the Twin Blade Revenant uh, has Last Breath create a Lost Soul in hand. So this is one of my favorite cards for the Scion archetype, and one that doesn't get a lot of inclusions in the super aggressive versions that like Swim has popularized. Um, and I'm sure other people play it. I just say Swim because that's the one that's at the top of Mobilytics when you go there. Um, but uh, but Lost Soul has been played uh, and can be played in slower paced scion decks uh, as actually even a mid-range version that I play that kind of has more reactive tools and tries to slow the game down a little bit and have a little bit of a it doesn't play aggressively but it can um, and it's trying to to make sure that those early aggressive decks don't just turn into a coin flip race um, so lost soul being able to feed cards that require those discards in the early game, uh, cards like, of course, um, the Zonite Urchin or the Sump Dredger, but also things like the Grave Physician later on in the game when you're trying to kind of create that longevity in your hand, you can you will almost never 
not have a Lost Soul or Twin Blade Revenant in your hand at some point. It can kind of keep that cycle going throughout a game, allowing Scion to have a little bit of a grindier uh, uh, play style. And, and honestly, just talk about the art. The artwork is so good on both cards, the Lost Soul and the Twin Blade Revenant. In fact, Twin Blade Revenant straight up looks like a hunter from Destiny. Uh, oh, yes. So uh, that's that's really fun, too. I, I, I really love Lost Soul. Um, but, hey, uh, that's... Uh, yeah, we're moving on to champs, the, the granddaddies. We're, we're, we're into the champs. So, Mark, what you got for me? Favorite champ? There's some good ones in there. Yeah, I, I will say this. I'm kind of one of the things that I'm just genuinely pleased with is that there's really like Caitlyn, Tristan, and Ziggs are probably the only champs that have fallen pretty flat. Everything else has has kind of found a place, um, which I've been pretty impressed with. But my favorite champ from this set so far may have been something else if I had had a chance to play with some of them. But Zareth is going to be my favorite champ, and I am playing Zareth in a. Zareth Zillion Mono Sharima Sun Disc deck. In my opinion, Zareth is the best payoff card in the Sun Disc setup and maybe one of the easiest ones to actually make happen. Um, and is incredibly fun playing like Turbo Disc Zareth that runs some of the very limited control tools like Spirit Fire that is actually available to you in Sharima. Um, this is the most fun that I have had with this set so far was playing that Sundisk deck. I did try Caitlyn. I did try Senna. I did try Vigar. I have played a little Ziggs. To be fair, I have not tried Scion, Poppy, or Nami, which are arguably all like probably the three strongest champions that are actually in this set. Um, all three are really good. But for me, Zareth has been my favorite and the one that I have found to be the most fun to play. Um, it's so, it is so insanely rewarding to get him to max level, um, knowing that he's going to be so oppressive from that point onwards. So that's for me. Zareth is my favorite card, favorite champion of the set so far. You know, the one thing about people always assuming, uh, that you are a CCG hipster, uh, is that you have to be honest about it. And so I could you know, front and say, no, I, 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 my favorite one is actually, uh, Zareth and is actually Caitlin or Ziggs. But the reality is it's not true. My favorite champ is Scion. Absolutely by far and away. And he may be one of the best ones to have come out so far. Um, and despite the, power level perceived or not scion to me fulfills the noxian fantasy of big beefcake units that are hard to bring down tromping all over the opponent's uh, side of the battlefield and i love the design of this from top to bottom you know the the necessity of discarding cards throughout the game leading up to scion's approach um, you know, paving the way for this big giant undead berserker to come in and smash the gates down. And it's so, it's so satisfying to play Scion. It is so satisfying. Uh, it is not satisfying to get him mini morphed, but besides that, he's very <laughs> hard to deal with. He's so fun to play. His entire kit and the, the package that surrounds Scion is a big departure from, um, you know, sort of the very, 
I guess I would say linear playstyles that Noxus would often do with the exception of Swain. So I'm just I've been overjoyed to see Scion and and the discard package see this kind of renewed uh, interest and and an investment from the design team. So Scion, that's my number one. He is in so many ways the aggressive mid-range tool that we've wanted for Noxus that we have talked about for uh, over a year now. Um, me and DBN over and over again have said we really want a mid-range finisher type of thing for Noxus. And we did to be here. We got Captain Farron, which was as close as we have ever gotten to it. But Scion is that in spades. Uh, and he's really not hard to get leveled up either. Uh, super, super fun. Almost always comes down on seven already leveled up when you're up against him. And uh, definitely a strong champion. Well, let's move over to our last segment, uh, a new one that we're going to be doing, and I'm leading. All right, team, adventure time. Okay, guys, in this last segment, it's going to be a brief segment, but we're going to be talking uh, new player corner. And so one of the segments that's in my belt to bring with me is conversations and advice for new players. And I figured what a better time to bring the new player corner to the podcast than in the very first episode of season three. So right now, what we're going to do is we're going to have a discussion about the sort of uh, management of the turn and pass, uh, like the play a card or the pass your turn um, elements to Legends of Runeterra, which really does make it one of the most thought-provoking and intriguing card games on the market. So if you're new to the game, I'm sure you've had more than a few times when you played a card and then thought, oh man, maybe I shouldn't have played there. Maybe I should have let the turn pass. Or maybe you uh, played a card and didn't get the open attack um, when it would have been smarter for you to be able to grab the open attack. Um, when you click the pass button matters significantly in this game. And if you watch the difference between an average player and a really strong Masters player is oftentimes the fact that they pass and let the attack token flip flop across the board more often than you might think they will. They're not on autopilot with that Oh, I just, I have mana. I must play this. DBN, I know you have some thoughts on this involving, you know, the past synergy. It's been one of the things that has probably kept us intrigued with LOR uh, through, you know, high times and low times. Um, do you have any advice for the new player who's trying to figure out the when they should pass or, or when they should, you know, play a card? Well, a lot of it does come with experience. You have the aspect where, a lot of the passing comes from anticipation of what they might play, what the opponent might play. And you can't really teach that so much as learn it through practice and learn it through experience. The you know idea of, hey, I've seen, uh, we'll say Lee Sin. I've seen Lee Sin play 17 times now. And every time I play out all my stuff, they seem to go and do X or wow, they seem to always hold back four mana for deny. So um, in that situation, if I'm going to play this big slow spell, let's say uh, a Yordles and Arms, right? Uh, if I was going to play that five mana, give plus four, plus four, stomp their door down, right? But I'm looking and I see that they've got four mana and they're likely to have a deny. What do I think they're going to do? Well, I think they're going to play a deny. Does it behoove me to play this? yordles and arms in this situation probably not 
So you have the, you know, you have the aspect and there's so many layers to that where you're anticipating. So the first reason why you might not uh, play something and you might just say, yeah, I'm just going to pass is out of anticipation of something that they could do that would ruin your plans. But I think there's also an element uh, that that can sort of be talked about here. Um, which is some of the situations in which, uh, you know, why why would you pass in other situations? And one of them has to simply be, if you have a great board position on defense, especially, and your opponent is is likely doesn't have a good way to attack, you don't have to start, show them your cards and diminish the mana. You want to... In many ways, Eloir has a bluffing element. You have all that mana sitting over there, and because you can play cards during their turns and in in reaction to their the things that they do, if you're sitting in the driver's seat, especially without the attack token, there's a huge mind game that's being played and this pressure put on the opponent where, especially if they are the aggressor and you're the defender in a particular matchup, so aka their their deck needs to win, earlier because your deck is going to win later in the game it's a, your deck may be a more controlly deck uh or or one that has a combo finisher and they know that they they are forced to uh to use their initiative or else flip the attack token back to you which accomplishes all your objectives so you sit there and you say okay if i play a card here i am all i'm doing is tipping my hand and reducing the amount of things i could play in reaction to what they have so there's no reason to show them that information until you need it. And I guess that's how you'd sum up this entire thing. Don't show your opponent anything and don't expend your resources until you actually need it. And until that point, just keep hitting that pass button uh, until you either need to play a card or attack. Yeah, and I think my bit of advice is honestly, my best bit of advice is honestly, um, watch some streams, jump on Twitch, and watch BBG. Um, BBG plays, Bruised by God plays pretty much every day. I have learned so much about action economy by watching players that understood it better than me. And I examined how they went about, um, you know, choosing when to pass and let the opponent have the initiative and when to stay on. It is so interesting to look and see because there's going to be times when you're like, why well, have all this mana? Do I really want to run the risk of them passing the whole turn? And a lot of it is the question of, what is my objective? Okay, what is my objective? And does passing, if I, if I lose this round and play absolutely no cards, does that actually make it harder for me to get to my objective? So, for example, a lot of times if you're playing an aggressive deck, something maybe Noxian, that discard deck, um, a lot of times that is the case, right? Allowing the, the token to pass um, hurts you. Um, however, sometimes that's not the case and your opponent's on the attack token and they pass right off the back because they're hoping that you'll develop more onto the board so that they can wipe your board before you get an open attack. Sometimes it's really good to take the pass token even when you could develop more if that means that you can get a very favorable open attack on your next round. Whereas if you're playing on a defensive, a lot of times you'll be tempted to play cards or remove stuff. But you have to ask yourself, is the situation that I am in right now with board presence one that I think my opponent can win the game from? Because if it isn't, a lot of times you're better off grinding your opponent out of resources by holding cards back and getting spells off that might be able to trade 
one card for two or even three of your opponent's card, then you are, you know, playing that Withering Whale or something, that Ruination, uh, right off the bat because they've got some stuff on board and you want to remove it. If you're not going to lose, sometimes it's better to hold on to Ruination until your opponent presents a board presence that is saying, I'm actually trying to win the game this round. Um, I think it's one of the most interesting things, and I, more than anything, as you get as you're new players, you get caught up in card play and all of the fun elements of this game and getting new cards and trying out new champions and trying to level up your champions. Remember, one of the most key elements of this game is not actually leveling up your champions. It's not actually, you know, making the card synergistic. It is understanding the most core and central mechanic of what makes Legends of Runeterra tick, which is understanding action economy. It is the one thing that brings me back to the game. It's the one thing that we can always be growing and getting better at as a player. And it is one thing that I am consistently learning by higher skilled and more avid uh, you know, players of the game. I watch their streams and keep an eye on the way they deal, not with the cards that they play. I know what most of the cards in the game do and I understand their basic function. But when they choose to pass or let a round go by, sometimes it's really shocking to me. And I have become a much better player by learning more and more about, oh, it's actually not all that bad for me to play nothing here. Um, I could be playing into my opponent's trap if I develop on the board here. Or if I don't develop on the board here, my opponent is likely going to gain control of the board and I'm never going to get control back. So I need to develop in knowing that they might have a trap card, but I have no other choice here. I need to empty my hand and get stuff on the board. Some really interesting concepts and ideas uh, that you can get into and you can learn a lot about the game and get much, much better simply by learning more and more and more about the action economy of the game. Okay, guys, that's going to wrap up this segment and we are going to work our way out of here. DBN, anything to say before we get out and end this episode? No, I just want to remind everybody one more time to head over to the Discord, sign up for the Discord League. And actually, if you uh, haven't, if you're a listener who has not yet uh, joined our Discord, I highly recommend it, especially if you're a new player. But even if you're an experienced one, there's a lot to offer. There's some great players that hang out in there and chat. They jump into voice calls and they stream and they co-op games to help each other improve. So there's a lot of uh, of good stuff going on in our Discord. It's, it's honestly the most active Discord uh, that is also a welcoming place uh, that I've ever been involved with. And so I, I never, ever hesitate. And it, it it doesn't really do anything for us. I mean, for the record, uh, it's not like we make money when people join our Discord. Uh, it, it's more because we have a strong community that we feel really proud of and that we are really, we know people will get a lot out of when they do join. So just one more time, head over to the Discord. I believe we always put the link uh, down there in the show notes. So check that out and uh, we hope to see you around. Feel free to ping us anytime. Mark and I are always happy to chat with you guys and Gibby. Yeah, but he's not here to defend himself. So he'll say it next week. Um, <laughs> if you guys want to check out what I do outside of the podcast, I do stream Monday, Wednesday, Fridays from about 9 until noon EST um, at uh, the link that's inside the description of the episode at twitch.tv slash the lift. 
Also, I'm kind of like, I, I attempt to be a, an emotional and spiritual support for the community. So if you have something going on in your life and you need someone who can listen or someone to talk to or someone completely outside of your context uh, to be able to bounce things off of, you can always DM me on Discord. And I'm always open to setting up a time that we can jump in a call and just hang out a little bit. And you can share a bit of your story. And, you know, maybe I can just be a listening ear during a hard time. Or, you know, perhaps you're, you're just looking to get someone's feedback on a situation that you're going through that doesn't involve LOR, but just involve life. I'm always here to support the members of the community. So we would love, uh, I'd love to have you reach out. I, I've met with many, many members of the community over the last two years um, and just helped them walk through different things going on in their lives as just a support emotionally and um, and spiritual support for people. And, and would love to do that if you're in a season of life where you think that might be beneficial, so always feel free to reach out. That's going to do it for this episode, but we do have to end the episode by announcing two champions in a hat next week. The two champs in the hat next week are are, are going to be da -da -da, one of the new champions, Nami, and a newer champion, Viego. Oh, Nami. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Nami Viego. So if you want to hear about that, maybe you can make a couple of decks of your own this week and post them in our Discord. But be sure to come back again next week as Gibbles and Bits and DBN discuss their decks using Nami and Discord in two champs and a hat. That's it for this week. Be sure to come back and listen next week. Thanks for listening to Legends Cast. This episode was brought to you by listeners like you. Don't forget to join our Discord community and support us by leaving us a rating and review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. A special thanks goes out to all of our Patreon supporters over at patreon.com slash legendscast.